They've been called ecstatic experiences, mystical experiences, spiritual or kundalini awakenings. Whatever you may call them, they are powerful and often change the experiencer in profound ways. For some, their own peak experience evokes a sense of exuberance, and for others, deep anxiety. For some, it's a bit of both. According to Dr. Robert Davis, a neuroscientist, researcher, and experiencer himself, more people are having deep spiritual awakenings than ever before. Whether triggered by a near-death experience, out-of-body experience, or completely out of the blue, the peak experience, which is how Robert Davis refers to it, is a serious and life-changing event. And unfortunately, our own psychological community has yet to recognize it as a real and valid human experience. In this conversation with Robert, right on the heels of his groundbreaking book, Unseen Forces, The Integration of Science, Reality, and You, he shares his thoughts on what the peak experience is and why it's time to take notice and embrace this most powerful and paradigm-shifting event. Well, it's been two years since today's guest last joined us on our show. Dr. Bob Davis, I call him Bob, it's Dr. Robert Davis, but it's Bob to me, a neuroscientist, a futurist, and an explorer of all things otherworldly, joins us again today to share his insights based on what I'm going to call one of the most engaging and well-written books I have read in a long time, and I mean that. The book is called Unseen Forces, The Integration of Science, Reality, and You. That's the book, and we're gonna be discussing it today. Some very important questions that are posed uh, by Bob, as well as his own postulate on these perplexing subjects. You know, I would say this is such a well-balanced book in terms of uh, the exploration from both a scientific and a mystical perspective. And we well know that in and of itself is an arduous task. So first, Bob, big congratulations to you on a job well done. I love this book. Well, Alexis, it, it's a pleasure to be with you. And those those positive comments coming from you mean mean a great deal to me. I'm a, I'm a big fan of you, as you know, and of your show. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. And I know there'll be many others that'll that'll echo my sentiment once they once they read it. Speaking of the book, by the way, I love this book so much that in fact. I'm going to give a, away a copy to someone in our audience today. Bob was kind enough to send us a, a copy to give to one of our journeyers. So make sure you listen through until the end of the show to learn how you can enter to win a copy of Unseen Forces. All right. Now, Bob, and you don't mind me calling you Bob, right? I know you're, you're Robert oh, Davis, PhD, but I'm going to call you. <laughs> and well-deserved. <laughs> you know, before before we got on the air, you said that you really want, of course, we're going to be talking about the book, but you wanted to really share with our audience your journey. This book is a culmination of a, really a personal uh, as well as a professional journey for you. So I think I do want to start with that. I, I want to obviously get into a major part of this book of which you had that's called peak experiences but let's start with your story shall we can we do that oh please i i i think that would be appropriate uh, okay because i wrote three books as you know and each one was motivated by a so-called peak experience which comes in all forms sizes shapes we're talking about spiritual mystical extraordinary experiences and they're widely reported throughout history, across cultures, and they, they often uh, represent a, an altered state of consciousness beyond everyday 
waking experiences that are regarded as real mm -hmm. to the individual who's experiencing it. You know that. You're an experiencer yourself. Um, and, and we're talking spe more specifically about the near-death experience, out-of-body experience, effects from psychoactive drugs like DMT, psilocybin, even meditation, and also interactions with unidentified aerial phenomena. And associated with this is the interactions with non-human entities, which also uh, occur in various forms via these different types of peak experiences. So when we say peak experience, we're talking, I guess we're talking about the Walmart of the paranormal. Mm, yeah. it, it engages just a, a broad discipline of, of various experiences. For me, uh, and quickly, my wife and I back in 2012 observed two orange orbs in the night sky. They appeared, remained stationary for several minutes, and then both winked out. That motivated me to write my first book, The UFO Phenomenon, Should I Believe? I always was interested in UFOs, uh, but that that was a defining moment in terms of having me write down what I thought of the phenomena and research it. Uh, mm -hmm. to, to, you know, and then I had I had this event happen. I had a lucid dream about two years later. I had a lucid dream. I felt suffocating. I I was in such fear that I woke up, and I knew as soon as I woke up that my dear friend Anne had passed away, and you got it. Mm -hmm. I found out later that morning that she did indeed pass away at the time that I had a lucid dream. Mm -hmm. uh, coincidence. Oh, you can't, who knows, but it's a remarkable coincidence indeed. I did feel a connection. She was communicating it to me. And I, I never had that kind of lucid dream before. Mm -hmm. And why should I at that time? Beyond coincidence. Then I had a Kundalini experience. Uh, and let's call that a peak experience. It was such an extraordinary experience of positive energy and interconnectedness with the, with rea uh, reality, with with life itself, um, and also anxiety. It, it, all these kinds of experiences provoke anxiety. You know, what happened? Why me? Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's new. It's different. It's 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 extreme. Yeah. And, and you call it, oh, I'm sorry, you call it a yeah. spiritual emergency in the book. That's how you reference it. And I really do want to get into that. Oh, exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and indeed, indeed is. Uh, Stanislav Grof wrote a great book on that. And, and, and unfortunately, the psychological community, community does not uh, clearly, uniformly recognize the spiritual emergency. And it is fairly common because the peak experience is common. 200,000 people in the United States alone have a near-death experience. Believe me, they derive positive benefits in the long term, as research shows, for all these types of events. But they're Initially, however, it, it of course provokes anxiety, confusion, and it, and it interferes with interpersonal relationships, understandably, especially mm -hmm. since the individual has changed. Right. Um, so uh, we don't have the right support mechanisms, resources. But nevertheless, my Kundalini experience, and I'm not going to go into detail what provoked it, but it was a remarkable event, which I've integrated and, and, um, and I think benefited from it indeed but that was a culminating event that led me to write this recent book unseen forces the integration of science reality and you we all have questioned what reality is what is life what is consciousness we we have that innate sense of spirituality uh, we're, we're all truth seekers at some level 
uh, certainly some more than others. I like to think I am, you certainly are on the top of that of that ladder of, <laughs> of a truth seeker. And you have guests, of course, that are. And right. that's what you know provokes me to, to listen and watch your programs all the time. You, know, you have remarkable guests. Mm, and, I do. And it's very stimulating. But, the, but they're all on that same path. What is going on? Mm-hmm. And, the, and there certainly is a great deal more going on then science acknowledges then that every human being can understand, fathom. We don't have a, a clear definition of these types of peak experiences. We don't have a, a good handle on what they all facilitate in terms of consciousness. And that's why I wrote the book, trying to establish in an objective fashion a relationship between established scientific principles and the subjective experience, because we cannot ignore that, mm-hmm. what the person goes through and what they consider to be real and how it transforms their life. Right. That right. is reality. Science does not recognize it. Very unfortunate. Listen, here's a question I want to ask you, because you mentioned in the book that you think there's a resurgence of spirituality with more people having what are called these peak experiences. And I and I do want, well, you've explained the peak experience. Maybe we can stay on that a little bit, but I would like you to tell me, what what do you think is triggering this resurgence of, of uh, more of a focus on spirituality, but as well, perhaps more peak experiences with more people? Uh, it's, we can only speculate. Uh, for each individual peak experience, I guess there's, there's a, a unique answer. Uh, one is the near-death experience. And since people are being resuscitated uh, and are thus surviving uh, clinical death, you know, more flatliners, so to speak, in, as far as the EEG is concerned, are surviving uh, now more than ever with advancements in resuscitation techniques. Thus, there is a higher incidence of near-death experiences, and as mm. a result, you get more uh, more reports from those individuals of uh, uh, touching you know, or piercing the veil, uh, mm-hmm. as they consider, of another reality and interacting with deceased relatives. And all that, that goes along with the near-death experiences, I'm sure your listeners are familiar with, uh, along with the out-of-body experience. And people now, too, I think, are a little bit more open talking about their peak experiences, like I am, as I just revealed. Mm-hmm. You know, a year or two ago, I wouldn't have, believe it or not. Just and a year or two ago. Really? This is yeah. somewhat new for you then in, in talking about it. The book, you know, the book, I, 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 I'm trying to figure out what led me to this book and that came to mind. And, and there's nothing wrong with sharing it, of course, but I have some inhibition, mm-hmm. you know, about my um, personal experiences, which I've you know, obviously disregarded. But I think more people are doing just that. Uh, is it, you know, with shows, exceptional shows like yours, I think, is just opening people up, making them simply more aware mm-hmm. that there are many others who are having similar types of experiences. And thus people may be a little bit more, um, what, you know, comfortable at sharing these remarkable uh, stories. Uh, the, the UAP incidents is yeah. also seems to be increasing and people too are opening up especially since uh, the media is uh, coming out with more information regarding the ufo you know referring of course to the att i forget the acronym the ufo ATIP, yes mm-hmm. yeah Nimitz. Right. you know maybe that's uh, helping to 
facilitate people's experiences and reported experiences with the phenomena and, and again, non-human entities associated with it. More people, too, are experimenting with DMT. Uh, and I don't advocate it. Uh, to, to, it. Well, if you do it, do it under control conditions with appropriate guides, counselors who can take you through the process. Don't don't do it in the bedroom with a bunch of friends and a bottle of beer. Mm -hmm. uh, that that's a little risky yeah. uh, for a variety of reasons we don't need to get into. But so you're saying taken together, it looks like they're is a more of a, a, a global interest in these sorts of things plus the it looks like there there are a number of factors just the how how quick our news travels and how media you know media reports on on uaps as an example uh the quickness of the of social media you know people have the ability to share with one another more so that's one factor um, the instances of people having near-death experiences based on being resuscitated, all of these things taken together, more UAPs, uh, or we used to say UFOs these days, it's UAPs uh, that are being seen. As a matter of fact, I think I heard somewhere where a UAP or UFO is reported as being seen every eight seconds now, every eight mm -hmm. seconds, which is stunning. Mm -hmm. So something yeah. is going on, something huge that... Perhaps none of us can put our finger on, but it seems to be that all things are working in an effort to get us to pay attention to our peak experiences and to reality outside of the confines of what we used to know. Oh, I agree completely. Uh, and very well said. And, and indeed, uh, you know, about 10 to 15 percent of the general population experience an OBE or an NDE alone. And, and, and sample surveys show that about 30 to 50 percent of Americans alone claim to have had a peak experience in the mm -hmm. form of a mystical experience or religious awakening of some type. And here again, we don't have the proper criteria to define what we're talking about here. And that's one major limitation associated with this topic area. What is a peak experience? What is a near-death experience? And personalities or consciousness it comes certainly into play here. And since all of us are different, mm -hmm. we're going to come away from these experiences having a different, a little bit of a different uh, take on it, interpretation. Uh, it's like 10 people watching uh, a play Romeo and Juliet. We're going to have those 10 people being influenced differently. 10 right. people watching the same crime scene, you're going to get 10 different individual reports mm -hmm. in court of what took place. So it's always going to be, you know, based on memory, prior experience, uh, innate tendencies with with the sensory information obtained from the body, all conjoining to give you this perspective of reality. There's going to be such variability among individuals. So everybody has a different type of experience Absolutely. associated with all of this. Yeah, yeah. You posed a question in the book several times this came up that I absolutely love. And I think this is powerful and worthy of a few minutes of discussion you ask are the people that are having peak experiences seeing a different world or are they seeing this world differently now i would like to add a third question are they seeing both <laughs> are they seeing are they seeing a different world or are they seeing this world differently or both uh yeah and, and, and good question for some, it could be both. Uh, for some, it could be one or the other. Yeah, the overarching question is whether or not these peak experiences fall into the area, I guess you could say, of, of a psychopathology, a form of a psychosis, mm -hmm. or into the area of 
spiritual awareness, enhanced mental health. And, and it's a valid point because there are similarities, there are also differences between certain types of psychotic episodes and, and certain aspects of these kinds of peak experiences. Um, and, and but, but there is there, the clear difference between the two is the psycho-spiritual transformation that occurs uh, in the sense that a psychotic individual and there are many different types, of course, but but they generally exhibit depression, anxiety, social isolation. They, their life is disturbed at such an intense level that it interferes with interpersonal relationships, etc. However, those who have a peak experience have a complete different uh, effect. They, they have feelings of joy and wholeness, love. It leads to improvements in uh, psychological health awareness of life, spiritual, so to speak, dimensions, uh, many different kinds of uh, improvements in their humane tendencies. They're better people, less materialistic, more spiritual, etc., uh, etc. Et and, and so there is a clear difference, but are they seeing, however, a different world that is not pathologic in nature, mm-hmm. not a uh, auditory visual hallucination, which can certainly occur in those who have some form of uh, neuropsychologic disturbance, but but there are unique differences. Are they, and that's the ultimate question, are they indeed seeing a different world? And we have to, we, and I can't say with 100% certainty that they are, they indeed are, but I do, do lean in that direction. Uh, however, my my background as a scientist, for one who who followed the scientific method, you know that kind of inhibits me from going all in on the topic and saying, yeah, there is, there is a parallel dimension that can be accessed through a near death out of body experience without question. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's a good possibility, likelihood, but I have to have some degree of reservation. Now, the individual has a peak experience is going to say, no, it's like having my morning coffee and a bagel. That's how real my peak experience was, my Mm -hmm. interaction with my deceased relatives, with the supreme being, with the beautiful uh, landscape of of nature, with with, um, uh, my alterations of time and space, meaning no time, no space. no, no past, present, or future. These kinds of alterations in perception, uh, emotion, consciousness, uh, is significant. Significant enough for the scientific community to kind of uh, re- offer their rebuttal, saying that, well, you do this and that to the brain, that's going to give rise to these perspectives or perceptions. You know, is this person, for instance, a fantasy prone, uh, and thus they they put in uh, some of what their expectations may be when they're in a near-death or out-of-body state. When they have DMT, they're seeing visual hallucinations. Those who are fantasy prone or have other uh, types of trait uh, absorption issues th- that may present as a uh, an, an overlay into what they are sensing, and and they'll perceive it differently than others who do not have those tendencies of fantasy proneness. We don't know, but what we do need to do in order to get to your question: Are they seeing a different world, or seeing this world differently? Is to understand the semantic content of 
exactly what they're experiencing and compare it among these peak experiences, compare it with those who have forms of psychosis and for those who have uh, brain stimulation. um, that give rise to some of these types of perspectives, but not they don't duplicate it, and that's what's unique. We don't see it exactly in, in pathologies or in brain stimulations. We cannot account for this, as far as I'm concerned, on the basis of pure brain events. Absolutely. There's an interaction between consciousness and the brain, the you, the soul, the spirit. Uh, that is a that is the something mm-hmm. that is the something that one day very possibly will be part of Einstein's unified field theory. Right, wouldn't that be that would yeah. be something? And I was just going to say you can't discuss these experiences without bringing in the idea of not only consciousness but ESP and non-locality. These are all major parts of the equation. Let, let's continue on that on that uh, that route if we if we can. Let's talk about ESP and the non-local factor in all of this and what science has found in terms of the the uh, efficacy of those things as far as i'm concerned esp is real non-locality communication in other words on an invisible pathway uh, information exchange that is not impeded by time and space and we know we know for instance just to you know enhance the validity of this a so-called phenomenon, which in my mind is not. It is real. Um, in the United States, Soviet Union, we engaged in remote viewing mm-hmm. uh, uh, in a form, to, in a sense, to spy on each other. And there was some degree of success uh, trying to locate missiles and types of missiles, you know, at a great distance, of course. And I spent many years doing, doing that. Uh, and there are some people indeed who are extraordinarily capable not only of bending spoons and i'm i'm pretty certain that that is the case with some individuals or psychokinesis but there's so many experiments as you've alluded to that demonstrate at least in my mind that that esp is indeed real telepathy clairvoyance precognition psychokinesis a week i can go on and on through the over 600 experiments done with over 6,000 individuals as subjects proving conclusively uh, that indeed there's a significant effect of of one having uh, one being able one being able in other words to do this let's take twins separate them put them in individual faraday cages so electromagnetic energy doesn't get going in in it let's put electrodes on each of their heads Okay, let's measure, in other words, the EEG activity. Mm-hmm. Let's tell each of them to feel connected to one another. Give them the instructions at the same time. Feel united. All of a sudden, upon the instructions, their EEG synchronizes to the, to, to the extreme, whereby EEG analysts, experts, will contend that there is no way that that could have happened by chance. Right. Time locked. So we see this too with um, uh, people in separate Faraday cages flicker a bright light in in one's eyes. The other person will respond in an appropriate manner that's time locked to the event in the form of alterations in their alpha wave activity associated with the onset of the visual stimulus in the other person. 
again, EEG technicians will, will go on to say, no way it could have happened by chance. We, there is a wealth of information yeah. supporting supporting this. You know, the, the observer effect, how intention can influence the pH of water, how intention can in- induce uh, physiologic changes in others, psychogalvanic skin responses, uh, heartbeat rhythm, ex- respiration. If anyone takes serious time and effort studying the research in the literature on on parapsychology, they should, if they if they interpret it in an unbiased, objective fashion, they should come away with it with a clear understanding that there is indeed something going on. There are subtle effects, there's small effect sizes, and and we must await other types of measures of ESP in order to get larger effect sizes so that it's it's more compelling to those who are skeptical right. of whether or not it is real. But yeah. it is. There seems to be so much, um, not only disparity, but, but uh, I don't know what you would call it. On the one hand, you're talking about Replic- replicated ex- experiments that have been replicated successfully involving, for instance, the Faraday cage, that's very well known uh, experiments, uh, but uh, demonstrating ESP and non-locality and the like, um, these aren't anecdotal. These are experimental and there is empirical evidence that these are working. And yet you take this back to the peak experience being somewhat nebulous in that there is no scientific data to support that they happen. Um, but they go together. They're inextricably linked. And one of the things I was going to ask you, Bob, is when we talk about people who have instances of, let's say, more common ESP uh, through non-locality, it would have to be, did, has your research yielded any results in terms of people after their peak experiences having more ESP, um, cases of ESP and other um, such experiences uh, yeah yeah only anecdotally they'll contend that and that is a common um, subjective response by those who have peak experiences they do feel that they can heal others they mm-hmm. do feel a, a, a sense of uh, better understanding the feelings emotions of others better picking up or being more sensitive to uh, karma in others and so they'll say they'll say that their their level of empathy sympathy has been enhanced as well as their psychic abilities mm, yes. and they have more interest in psychic uh, areas too in terms of what they read and study so uh getting to your point we need yeah we need experimental uh, data to see whether or not they they do indeed become more more psychic but we don't have a pre-post we don't know who's going to have a peak experience and thus determine right. their esp capabilities before and thus compare it afterwards but um and that goes without saying for all of this discussion uh, we don't have the the needed experimental data that's required to to uh, answer the questions you're asking which are more than appropriate uh, to the satisfaction of everyone. We're just in our embryonic development. I was just going to say infants. Yeah, infant yeah, stages yeah. for sure. Infant Indeed. stages. And yet as I'm, it's almost as if I can see some of, I call them the journeyers that listen to higher journeys, seeing you out there, maybe furling an eyebrow, not in disbelief, but in perhaps your own experience and really trying to reconcile what's happening here. People do want answers. And that this is going to lead me to something that I really want to spend a little bit of time on here. And that has to do with spiritual emergency 
emergencies as they relate to the peak experience. And we have heard this expression before. Uh, but you know, I have to tell you something. Interestingly, when I think of emergency, I'm also reminded of the word emergence, almost like a, a metamorphosis that's somehow buried in what seems like an emergency, but something else quite powerful is happening. So buried within, as I say, buried within the, the, the madness is a bit of magic, but people are having what would be viewed as spiritual emergencies. Let's talk about that a bit, because I think it's worth the time. Spiritual emergencies go hand in hand with the peak experience. Uh, and, and we're not talking, again, about a psychotic reaction to uh, an unexplained, extraordinary personal event that changes the person from that moment forward. Uh, I don't know if spiritual emergency is uh, uh, the appropriate term. Let's just call it, uh, what, uh, hyper-anxiety, uh, mm -hmm. confusion. Uh, uh, it, someone who is in need of answers. And, and who did they go to? I just had a listen, I just had a peak experience. Okay. I just I feel as if I've interacted with deceased relatives and friends. I feel uh, like I, I experience an alternate realm again with no time, no space, etc. Uh I realize now more than ever that I'm not my body, um, and that I will live after my body is gone. I mean, these are real realizations that are firmly believed. How can it not rock somebody's world? How can you go on with a daily activity after that experience as if nothing has happened? Absolutely. Right, right. No, people, there's a recent study along these lines, Alexis, an online survey. Research done by John Hopkins University just just recently. You may have uh, heard about this. Um, of the three thousand or more individuals who took DMT, a quarter of them were atheists. Two thirds of them, following their DMT experience, then believed in a supreme being or some power. Not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, someone with a beard in a cloud, mm -hmm. but a, a, a higher power. Um, and they change. They're no longer atheists. They don't see themselves as atheists. The point is, if DMT can do that, my gosh, it has to be quite an extraordinary, powerful event experience to change so dramatically one's pers personal viewpoints, philosophical values. And these do in varying ways. Uh, so... Yeah, everybody has emergencies following this, major questions that need addressed. Uh, and, and maybe in many cases, some medication or counseling to, to modify, mitigate the profound realizations that seem to facilitate, not surprisingly, Anxiety right. at such an extreme level, however, that it does need uh, attention by the professional community. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, when I think of spiritual emergency, I think of really a spectrum of effects that can come after the peak experience, not the least of which is going out into normal, polite society, whether you say anything about the experience or not, and just observing the difference in how you feel versus how you see your friend now behaving. There's the ridicule factor for the for those that have uh, perhaps talked about their own experiences. And I know personally, quite a few people that have done so this is a big still a big issue. That to me also falls into the range of, of emergency because of mm -hmm. what can happen as a result of that addiction 
And mm-hmm. I'm going to go there. In some cases, Bob, I have witnessed people who have considered taking their lives because they can't reconcile the mm-hmm. the the incredible discrepancy between what has just happened to them and life as they once knew it. Well, you're, and it certainly is unfortunate, maybe not all that surprising, given the se- severe extreme uh, essence of the of what the individual went through without proper support and it and it brings into question again the the the, the question why doesn't the psychological community recognize this right why don't as, they as more pronounced right at, at the, given its high incidence and is poorly understood so <laughs> they're not trained in a sense to deal specifically with it but they can uh, in general address certainly issues of anxiety, depression, etc. But we need individuals who are acutely sensitive to this, this area to not denounce it because the last thing you want to hear after a peak experience when you question your sanity, and many do, many do, they see life, reality differently. Their consciousness is altered. Yeah. It is. And sometimes in such a pronounced way that yes, they can't deal with it and unfortunately end their life in some way. And that we lack the resources. Who do they go to? They're afraid to go to a psychiatrist and they're afraid to be institutionalized. They're afraid to be told, yes, you're psychotic. That's the last thing you want to hear when you're in a, in a state of extreme anxiety. Mm. That's what's going to put you oftentimes over the edge. So they're hesitant to even go there for fear of being labeled in that way. Sure. And it is unfortunate. And then you've got the, the you know, I, I don't want to... Um... I don't want to play the blame game, but you do have this uh, on the part of our healthcare community wanting to to give a pill as quickly as they can um, without even really taking into consideration what has been going on with the person. So, you know, there's the business aspect of this as well <laughs> that uh, might uh, thwart uh, any further discussion on the validity of such an experience. In other words, they're they're quick to label you as mentally unstable so they can uh, d- d- pr- uh, follow proper protocol, if you know what I mean. That's correct. So, so there's a lot of pressure where there really shouldn't be any. Um, do you see the community of um, psychological caregivers or specialty therapists in this area growing? Are there any sign of that, do you think, for people that are having uh, these sorts of experiences. Well, not that I'm uh, not that I'm acutely aware of in the form of uh, evidence obtained from surveys of practitioners. Um, uh, but I think going back to the um, insightful comment you made earlier on, that there is there is a growing uh, trend uh, of higher incidence of peak experiences, and and I think slowly but surely. Um, professionals are also going to become more aware of this issue and associated um, symptoms in individuals who experience them. Uh, And certainly many of them have peak experiences. And it's up to the consumer, the experience of him or herself, to try to find that most appropriate support, uh, which is hard to do. It's hard to do. Well, that's why we have the show and show shows like these. So the community can talk amongst each other. Maybe the best therapy is each other and not being afraid. Mm-hmm. I get so mm-hmm. many emails from individuals who 
will invariably say, I've never told anyone this, but, and they'll go on to tell their story. And my first reaction is, if you only knew how much company you have. And that's why I want to emphasize the importance of seeking each other out, because there are many of us out there. So... Well, I want to talk, there are a few other things I want to touch on, of course, all related, but you you have a chapter in in, uh, your book called The Science of Unseen Forces, where you address anomalies such as the illusory nature of time and synchronicity and human entanglement or mind-to-mind communication, and we touched on that. But I think I may know the answer to this question, what you might say, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If, If there was one common element that links all of these sorts of things together, what would that element be? An aspect of consciousness, of without question. And, <laughs> and, 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 the, and it's, the question is, what is consciousness? Yeah. Endless thing of papers written about that by scholars far far brighter than mine uh, for over centuries. And, and we still do not have a uniform, agreed upon, clear consensus what consciousness actually is. There's some good insights, certainly. But, but is, it a, uh, is, it, is it physiological? Is it, in other words, of course, brain generated? Am I the brain? Uh, I hate to think so. Uh, or is it uh, symbiotic with the brain, a form of energy, maybe bio, bio photons? Are these, you know, that's an, one good possibility yet to be firmly established. But there are clear, it's clear evidence that bio photons or these ultra weak photon emissions um, well, they have been detected and accurately measured from cell cultures, from uh, from body surfaces using uh, photo multipliers, and we get this torsion wave generated by the biophotons, which exist in DNA and and the brain, and that radiation uh, connects subatomic particles. It spreads through space as as an energy current and forms an electromagnetic field. And that may be. That may be the mechanism, the physical, uh, objective uh, measure that we that may explain how communication can occur in an invisible pathway despite time and space. It, mm. it, it may certainly explain why people are reporting interactions with an alternate reality and deceased relatives. If that energy does in fact exist, it always exists since it cannot be destroyed. It may contain, in other words, the essence of us in, to some degree, and we need to look at biophotons as a as a unique dependent measure that can be objectively measured in those who perform ESP and those who have peak experiences, because we do see changes in biophotonic activity. Huh. In other words, a person who can uh, successfully send uh, intentions to another for purposes of healing, uh, their biophoton levels increase dramatically while they're in the process of directing their attention. We see biophotons changing as a result of emotional states. It even decreases in meditators. So it does modify in, in, in relationship to emotion, uh, uh, perspective, uh, perceptions uh, of one's attention, intention, and, and thus very possibly consciousness. So we might have, in other words, a dependent measure that can be objectively quantified by the scientific community because the only thing they're going to recognize as real is something that they could objectively measure Mm -hmm. uh, and perform associated analysis on that in a pre-post or peri fashion. And the point is that 
that may, might provide us with some unique insight to explain many of the phenomena that we are addressing. Um, is it during an OBE, for instance, is it a, a quantum process, in other words, generated by biophotons that is actually leaving the brain uh, and, and you know, existing in the ether? Uh, and may always exist, possibly. Mm -hmm. uh, the point is, we can only speculate, but there are, again, preliminary data that suggests that there is great promise uh, in the field of, of this type of energy that, that begs for more study. Uh, we, might, we might have here the, 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 a physical manifestation of all the phenomena, or many, I should say, of the phenomena we're talking about here, especially ESP, OBEs, and NDEs. Wow. You have real, like I said, you have really just done such a brilliant job. You know the science so well, Bob, and you're, you're keeping up to speed with the, some of the advances. But uh, uh, along with that, you have an empathy and a compassion based in part on your own experience about the mystical and perhaps what m may never be able to be fully answered. And, and I suppose we have to respect that and honor that as well. But uh, we're going to close down shortly. I want to ask one more question before we do. However, we open this conversation with our discussing the idea uh, of this resurgence in spiritual matters and the growing number of people having peak experiences or transformative experiences. Yet here we are in 2019, right? And if you look at the state of our world right now, you would think we're going nowhere, maybe even backwards in terms of our dissonance, our intolerance, political ideologies, wars, etc. And on the other hand, we have this burgeoning interest and in, for many a personal investment in our own spiritual development and evolution. So we're in this sort of dichotomy, I think we can agree. What on earth do you think this dichotomy is telling us? Are we at a precipice of something or not? <laughs> What's happening in your estimation? Wow. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's, it's hard to give it uh, give uh, sufficient thought to respond to that. What's your sense? What's your huh? what is your gut telling you? What What yeah. is your feeling about it? Yeah. Um, my gut says that more people are, are waking up uh, to the fact that there certainly is something quite profound that is occurring both within and beyond. Uh, people coming to the realization or at least questioning whether or not they are indeed the brain. And I think that is the, also the essence, the overarching issue here at hand when we talk about peak experiences. Are you nothing more than a, that, that jelly-like mass of fat and protein uh, consisting of some 100 billion neurons uh, you know, between your ears? Or are you something more? Are you, are you, is your gut feeling more than all that? Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, for one, for one neuron, you need a computer the size of the United States to do the same function. Wow. I think people, you know, as science looks at the brain, uploading the brain to a computer, um, people coming out and talking about their peak experiences, with the media informing us a little bit more frequently about the UAP, people doing DMT more, there's a slow emergence of what? Enhanced spirituality, people coming to the realization that there's more. I think more jumping on the bandwagon to what? Try to understand 
more about reality and life and, and who they are. And I think that increase in, in that, um, I think the innate tendency that we all have to find answers to life. Mm -hmm. well, we're born, I think, with that. And it, it results in religiosity in many people, but not for me. I don't, I don't go to temple. Instead, I, I delve into this area. I simply quest for answers, as you do, as your mm -hmm. listeners do. We want, and that's beautiful. It, 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 sometimes it's uh, frustrating because we yeah. want the answer and it's elusive to some extent and it's easy to be biased and accepting what we read because it's consistent with our beliefs mm -hmm. we all understand the confirmation bias issue and, and i and that, we all fall you know prey to that so we have to be objective easier said than done of course but are we the brain um that's why i wrote to some extent life after death and there are hints that we're not but it's not convincing enough to materialistic science what we have to do i think too is look at a paradigm shift and again in response to your question i think people are, are increasingly becoming aware that the, the subjective experience is a, should be regarded much more significantly mm -hmm. by the scientific community who disregards it as a line of evidence yeah. to use as a basis to explain reality. Now, to them, of course, what you see is what you get. Uh, reality is nothing more than, than photons emanating from the Big Bang just now, <laughs> from 14 billion years ago, just now bouncing off physical objects, entering your sensory systems, being converted into neuroelectric activity so that we can understand it. You know, wow, is that reality? Well, <laughs> I hate to think so. I hate to think that's all there is. Yeah. Uh, I think most people know that. I think most yeah, people are beyond yeah, that at this point. I hope so. And yeah. I think more people are becoming aware of the fact that, yeah, there's more to it than just that, correct. And the subjective experience, the experiences, in other words, that people have when they have the NDE, OBE, even interactions with, with non-human entities associated with the UAP, among, other, among others, the essence of reality, because when they have these peak experiences, they change dramatically, as we mentioned, short-term and long-term, and they believe it to be as a real again as a daily activity. The point is this, what is reality? Yeah. Well, if, if an experience occurs to an individual and they regard it as real, and they're well balanced and lucid, not having a, they're not psychotic, that's, a, that's another complete different issue, and they are changed dramatically in a psycho-spiritual way that alters their philosophical and personal viewpoints for the better, generally for the better after their so-called spiritual emergency has been integrated and, and well-managed. Unfortunately, that's not always true in all cases, but in the vast majority. Now, that to me is, is reality. If an event is going to have such a pronounced effect on somebody, that's more meaningful to me than photons bounce, bouncing off physical objects of entering my brain. So I think science needs to move. Not a unique perspective here. Not, science needs to move from materialism or realism to idealism, incorporate the subjective have experienced much more so in, in the interpretation of what we regard as reality yeah. and consciousness because it, it, it requires this paradigm shift more people i think are becoming aware of the need for this paradigm shift even within science mm -hmm. even within science oh and i think i think happening. you're absolutely right oh i think you're absolutely right beautifully said beautifully said from a true scientist and a realist an idealist uh a thought leader <laughs> 
You know how I feel about you, Bob. Beautifully said. Listen, before we close, journeyers, it's promised I want to let you know how you can have a copy, uh, win a copy, I should say, of this amazing book, and I do mean amazing, Unseen Forces by Dr. Robert Davis. Have you had a peak experience out there? I know many of you have. Well, if so, and you feel comfortable in doing so, let us know in the comments section of the YouTube version of this episode. You don't have to get into the details of your experience if you don't want to. Just let us know how it left you. Were you changed by it? Did it change your life path? Did you have a spiritual emergency? Let us know. And I'm going to pick very simply one person to receive a copy of the book. It's that simple. It's that simple. And if you don't win it, I suggest you go get the book. Bob, tell people where they can find (laughs) Unseen Forces for us. Well, uh, Amazon, obviously, will uh, will give you the book. And my website, BobDavisSpeaks.com. That's one word, BobDavisSpeaks.com. Information about all my books, about me, um, and they can obviously obtain it that way. Okay, great. Is it on ebook as well? Uh, yes. Okay, it's perfect. A version. Okay, great. And maybe audiobook coming up, you think? <laughs> well, let's let's talk. <laughs> I'd, love, I'd love for you to do it. We'll do yeah. that off here. That's another, that's another, that's, I have to put that hat on. That's later. <laughs> Listen, Bob, it is just always a pleasure to talk to you. It's been too long. I, it's been two years since you've been on the show. I think we may have had an offline chat maybe about a year or so ago, but let's do it again. Let's not wait that long. Shall we? Let's come come on back and let's talk more. As a matter of fact, I'd love for you to come back and talk more about your own experience. Experiences, I should say, plural. Would you do that? Oh, I'd love to. Okay. Um, look, there's, there's so much more to say. We, we just scratched the surface, if that, about the peak experience and the information in the book. Uh, we can't do it justice with it in, in you know, a half hour or so. No, um, or five. I would love to come <laughs> back and talk further. Look, especially with you, as far as I'm concerned, you're the best thing going in, in, this, in, in this arena. You truly are. Back uh, at you, For man. a lot of reasons. And, and that's why I was so uh, grateful that I'm, I was uh, invited to, to be on your show again. So well, uh, thank you again very much for inviting me. And I certainly look forward to any future discussion we may have on this or other related topics. Beautiful. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate you. And as always, I appreciate each and every one of you out there. Just keep uh, exploring the mystery. Let's let's do that for each other and for ourselves, shall we? All right, journeyers, we'll talk to you real soon. Take care.